Welcome to another awesome episode of Give Me Those Star Wars, a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network and the galaxy far, far away. I'm Ryan Daly, and I am pleased to be joined by three returning guests to talk about one of the most exciting characters in Star Wars fandom right now. And no, it's not Porkins. It's never Porkins. <laughs> my, my first guest is making her third appearance on the show. She is the host of Batgirl to Oracle, a Barbara Gordon podcast. Please welcome Stella back to the show. How's it going, Stella? Hey, it's going well, but a big question I have is who is Ahsoka and why am I on this show again? We'll, we'll find that out in a few minutes. So, <laughs> Next up, making his third consecutive appearance on the show. That, guy, that can't be right. That has got to be a record for me. Welcome back, Chris Zagunas. What's up, man? Wow, three in a row. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be back and looking forward to this conversation. What do they do, what do, they do with Jeopardy champions? Do you get like a special jacket or do the questions get harder? You know, I'll look into that. I think uh, they start tweeting racist and offensive things at some point, but I'm not sure if I'm at that point yet. Let's hope not. Okay. And finally, but most importantly, the woman who has the entire sequence of Luke Skywalker slicing his way through the Dark Troopers in storyboard format, tattooed on her back by now, my wife, Angela Drew. Hello, my lady. Hi. No one thinks you're funny. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many questions. (laughs) Are you glad that I didn't do a Borat thing when I introduced you? Oh, God. Ryan. (sighs) Oh, man. Someone's in the doghouse, sir. Oh, yeah, and I'm just going to keep digging because it's it's nowhere to go. But. It's just going to go downhill from here. All right, folks, we are here to talk about Ahsoka Tano, the fan favorite character who has dominated Star Wars animation and is now making the jump to live action. Ahsoka debuted in Star Wars, The Clone Wars, the 2008 animated film. She was created by George Lucas and Dave Filoni and voiced by Ashley Eckstein. She first appeared as the teenage apprentice to Anakin Skywalker. She then returned as one of the protagonists of the Clone Wars animated series that followed. Events of this series showed how she left the Jedi Order just before the end of the wars and how she managed to survive the Great Jedi Purge of Order 66. Ahsoka came back as a supporting character in the animated series Star Wars Rebels. And then, just a few months ago, the character made her first live-action appearance in Chapter 16 of The Mandalorian. Now played by actress Rosario Dawson, Ahsoka is primed to star in her own self-titled series for Disney Plus in either 2021 or 2022. I'm Ahsoka. Master Yoda sent me. You're reckless, little one. You never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan. But you might make it as mine. 
And before we start our discussion, a quick preview for the listeners. Later on in this episode, you'll hear from someone else who has seen Star Wars movies and The Mandalorian, but had never watched the animated series prior to this. So his first meeting with Ahsoka was in Chapter 16 of The Mandalorian, and Angela interviewed him about that experience to get kind of a different perspective from the more casual fan, uh, but not, who is not as versed in the entire saga. But that will come after our talk. So... Let's start with our introductions to the character and just as importantly, our first impressions, because uh, I have a feeling that maybe the way some of us feel about her today might not be how we felt at first. Uh, Stella, since you are the crazy prequel apologist of the group, we'll start with you. (laughs) When did you meet Ahsoka and what did you think of her? When did I meet Ahsoka? I met her in the Clone Wars series, though I was late to the game on watching Clone Wars. I don't know if I could give you a date, but the series was done. It was done except for the the new season that had just come out. And I watched it on Netflix very quickly because I enjoyed it that much. And... Ahsoka for me, because I know that, and we might hear this here, that some people were annoyed by Ahsoka. But for me, the person who annoyed me was as and still does is Ezra Bridger. So that that's she never really annoyed me. Um, I there was certainly like some growing pains, and I didn't like her as much as I do now. It was certainly getting to know her and and seeing her character arc and, and starting to really respect her. But for me, she was the character that I related to the most in Clone Wars uh, because you could just see, um, I don't know. Well, obviously, I mean, she's fun. Uh, snips. I mean, I feel like that that just goes for her personality as well. And she's learning. She makes mistakes. She's sometimes headstrong. Very similar, I feel like, to uh, to Barbara Gordon. And so she was just near and dear to my heart, and I enjoyed watching her grow. And then when she was making these tough decisions, whew, and it was really hard at the end of the, the main series to, to see what happened to her. But, yeah, I would say I related to her most of all the characters in that particular show. And so each time she kept popping up in other media, like I was super excited to see her in Rebels and, and just to see how much she had grown and, and then finding out that, oh boy, we're going to see her in live action was super exciting. For some reason, I thought you, you were with her at the ground floor. I thought you were right from like when the series launched that you were watching then. I was not. No, yeah, I was like, I. You know why? It's because the animation style. Mm. I w- I'm not too up on sort of the 3D shading, I suppose you would call it, or just like the computer designing. And so I just sort of like, oh man, it's Star Wars. I love Star Wars, but I just don't know if I can handle that. And so it was almost like reading Black and White Essentials. You just, for me personally, I just had to get used to that. And now mm. it's, I don't even blink twice now that I watch it. But it was, it was very much a turn off in the beginning, which is why I regretfully did not watch watch it from the very beginning when it was airing. I think that's probably a familiar refrain. Uh, Angela. So I watched Clone Wars begrudgingly because I wanted to watch Rebels. I am a huge fan of Grand Admiral Thrawn and I knew he was in Rebels because Disney Plus has his face there. And so <laughs> I decided that I really wanted to see Rebels. And um, Ryan said, well, you probably want to watch Clone Wars first. It will make more sense. He was like, you don't have to, but maybe you should. So I was like, all right. So, you know, I wasn't super excited about watching Clone Wars. I am, um, I, I have a very complicated relationship with the prequels. So I wasn't really excited about her when I first saw her. 
But very quickly, I realized that Clone Wars wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And um, a lot of my prequel issues were not resolved, but smoothed over by Clone Wars. And there's some characters I really struggle with. One in particular is Anakin Skywalker. And Ahsoka made me like him and enjoy watching him. And so uh, Ahsoka kind of is the bridge for me to kind of resolve some um, relationship issues I had with Star Wars and um, my like late teens to early 20s. <laughs> Chris, what about you? Well, first, let me just say, uh, Stella, I- I'm willing to accept your fandom of General Grievous. Yes. But I think, but I think your disparagement of Ezra is a bridger too far. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Okay, I'll show myself out. Um, <laughs> I've been sitting here for five minutes waiting to say that. Um, yeah, I, I we touched on this briefly, uh, Ryan, when we uh, did the um, uh, the Investor Day. But uh, I came to uh, Clone Wars late as well. As a matter of fact, I watched all of it or most of it and Rebels just this last year. Um, I think one of the things that really spurred me to do it was hearing that uh, Rosario Dawson was going to be cast in a live-action version of Ahsoka. So you know, I wanted to get up to speed. And then, of course, yeah, you look at the whole, you know, there's like 120-plus episodes, and then there's Rebels. It was kind of a daunting task at first. But, yeah, you get into it, and at some point, it definitely becomes her show. And by the time the thing finishes, it, it is her show because she's the character you're following. And... You know, as far as her being considered annoying in the early seasons, I mean, I feel like the maturity of her character kind of developed at the same rate as the maturity of the show. So in those first couple of seasons, which are a tougher watch because they're definitely more, you know, they're, they're, they're more kid orientated. Uh, so from, a, you know, from the perspective of, a, of an adult Star Wars fan, they're not as engaging. And so it didn't, it didn't bother me that much. But by the time the show kind of started to get into like, you know, more adult and darker kind of thematic stuff, her character was maturing as well. And you almost kind of needed all of that to get you to that point. So you can see this arc this character takes by the time you get to that final season and then into Rebels and then where we are now. And yeah, by the time, and you know, I said this in a previous podcast, and and I just like saying it because I think it's so true, is I, I think those last four episodes of The Clone Wars, which is 100% her story, you put that together as a movie, it's my third favorite Star Wars movie. I mean, that those last four episodes are just breathtaking. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I j- just, I mean, the emotions I felt watching that were, I had to go back to when I first saw New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. And that's because of her and the power of her character. And her journey, as you see all these things unfold through her eyes. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the character and very, very excited for what this show is going to be. I think Rosario Dawson is very well cast. She was great in her debut. And yes, very excited. Chris, I rewatched those four episodes to prepare for this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of want to do it right now, actually, as I'm talking about it. <laughs> <Yes>. So, <laughs> I mean, I told Ryan tonight that Ahsoka's scene at the very end of the, the the last episode where she's like running down the crashing cruiser oh, um, is like one of the like all time most amazing action sequences and, in Star yeah. Wars. 
Yeah, and her and Darth Maul are like having a, a lightsaber duel, out jumping from. Yeah, it's like just yeah, yeah. incredible. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I, so I too was, came to the character late, um, and it was I remember seeing the previews for the movie for the for the animated movie, and I was just nope, I'm skipping it. I just I was burned out on on Star Wars at the time. I wanted nothing to do with it. That particular era did not appeal to me. I did not like the portrayal of either the Jedi or the clone troopers in the prequel movie. So I didn't really want to see more of that. So I had no interest in the, in the animated series. Then a couple of years later, I start seeing previews for this new show called rebels and they show a star destroyer and tie fighters flying over a city that looks like the Ralph McQuarrie concept art for Alderaan. And I'm like, this is interesting. This could be cool. I, I like this time period more. So I started following that and I watched that one right from the beginning. And by the end of the season, they show Ahsoka comes in. They, they reveal that this hidden, this, this spy character that they've been dealing with all along called Fulcrum, they reveal that it's Ahsoka. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I know who she is because I knew like the connection to Clone Wars. But I was like, I feel like that probably would have meant more to me if I watched Clone Wars but I really don't want to watch Clone Wars. So then I follow the second season, the second season of Rebels, you know, after like the first episode, there's this whole thing where Darth Vader and Ahsoka feel each other in the force during a, a space, during a, a TIE fighter battle or something. And it's like such a shocking revelation that they, they feel each other in the force. And he has this line, the apprentice lives. And I'm like, all right, this is really, really intriguing. And then by the next episode in the second season, they go back and you revisit all these older clone figures, like Rex, and we see that these characters, I'm like, damn it, I really need to find out what, what these guys' story is. So I went back and I started watching Clone Wars from the beginning. I watched the movie and then the season. And Chris, as you mentioned, I was not happy at first. The first season was a slog to get through. And I was like, yeah. I don't know if this is worth it. It's, it's sapping my energy to watch these characters and this world and the animation. It's making me not want to follow Rebels anymore. But I did it, and it, it took a while to get through that first season and then the second end somewhere maybe in the second season or early in season three i realized that they had a a jar jar binks centric episode that i didn't dislike that i was actually kind of entertained by and i was like that was a magic trick how did they do that i was like i was like how did they get me entertained by jar jar episode and by then i was was like you know i'm liking the show more than i thought and then by then it just it became easier and easier to follow along so then after at that point watching the the six seasons of or no actually i think i don't think i watched all of the the six seasons because i think i stopped watching it after ahsoka leaves at the end of season five like when she walks away from the jedi order and then i went back to rebels and picked that up because by that point i was like okay i really like this character but i'm afraid that by bringing her into rebels she's going to start to dominate that show and she's going to hijack it from the characters that i've been following like hera and ezra and kanan i was like these are the characters i'm invested i don't want this outsider to come in even though i like i i liked ahsoka a lot by then i didn't want it, rebels to become her show uh, so I was actually very happy with how they kind of kept her in the periphery and as a minor supporting character in that season and then seemed to kill her off at the end of season two in what I think 
I, I think like the, the 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 end of season two of Rebels when they're in the the Sith Temple and that whole thing with the other Inquisitors and Darth Maul uh, and with Kanan getting injured and the the that whole thing with Darth Vader. I I think that might be like my favorite bit of Star Wars animation, like out of out of all the shows. What do you guys? What so? What did you guys think of seeing her then in Rebels? By the time you watched that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was excited about her return in that show, and I agree with you that, um, you know, I like that she was used sparingly, that she didn't come to dominate the show because it wasn't really, you know, her story, but her her role in that I thought was was very effective. And especially how it kind of comes full circle where, you know, you, you, you leave off with that, that, that duel she's having with Darth Vader, and then the implication is that, you know, she died or, you know, the temple exploded or whatever, and... Uh, but then it circles because back. Because we knew like, that Vader didn't die, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, and at this point, I knew she was going to be in The Mandalorian, so I was like, well, I mean, mm. I know she's not dead, but, I mean, she was missing for, like, an entire, I think, most of, like, two seasons, because she didn't come back, like, it's, right it's at the, the end of the very end right? of season four when she comes back, yeah. Right, and then, and then you know, they do some kind of crazy, like, you know, almost like a time travel thing with the Force to bring her back in, like, as, you know, Ezra visits her in that crazy, like, other space that he's in through the force. And mm-hmm. I thought that was all really cool too. And yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that, um, that, that episode and that scene with the, you know, you had the inquisitors and Darth Maul and Kanan gets blinded and then their showdown. I mean, when they like squared off and you knew it was about to go down, I mean, you, know, you get chills. And then of course there is the absolutely wonderful moment where, you know, she, you know, swipes them across his mask and it breaks and you can see Anakin underneath. And it's just like, wow. I mean, that's the one, that's the, one of the great things about her character is that unlike, and you know, no offense, Stella, what was depicted in the, in the prequels is you never get a sense of the tragedy of Anakin's fault, the dark side. And it's, it's Ahsoka that brings the tragedy home because it's a tragedy for her. And, you know, and it's kind of embodied in that one quick little scene in that episode in rebels where like, they, they like, you know, he has a moment where he's a flash where he's Anakin in that moment and he sees her and they kind of have that connection and it's, it's powerful. So yeah, I, th- I thought it was great. They used her great. And um, yeah. I think she, I, I agree with Chris. I think she was used really well. Um, you know, she functions, she has a very different function in rebels. Like, um, I, I think that the the assessment that she is like kind of the star character in a lot of Clone Wars, I would completely agree with. I think that her cent- like the stories that were central to her were some of the most compelling. Um, and it might have just been because they were very disconnected from the events that was hap- that were happening in terms of like the larger Clone Wars. She kind of had these side adventures. Um, I would have liked to have seen her inserted a little bit more in Rebels, but I understood that she wasn't like that wasn't her show. So she, I think she worked, but I, I, I feel like I, I kind of missed that that Ahsoka of kind of action and you know she she was spontaneous in Clone Wars and she was you know much more subdued in Rebels, which made sense, right? It completely worked for her character. There were times when I felt like the, she was sort of like the, the reserved, more tactical and kind of like pensive. Like, I don't know. I, I I would have to kind of go back and revisit those scenes. But there were times when I felt like Ahsoka and Hera were used almost interchangeably as just kind of a sounding board against Kanan and Ezra in certain scenes. 
but I don't know. That's it's a nitpick, and, and maybe I'm misremembering that. Stella, what did you think of like seeing her again in the the later shows? Yeah, I I loved it. I think those are some of my favorite episodes, specifically the the altercation between her and Darth Vader, and it almost is a of what happened in Clone Wars where to a certain extent I feel like she broke Anakin's heart just because he kept trying to reach out to her to like come back and that it just wasn't (laughs) it wasn't for her anymore you know the the Jedi let her down and then once it's revealed that oh no my master is Darth Vader like everything comes uh, full circle and, and I think her heart breaks at that moment too having her and Padme commiserate over that that'd be a great scene wouldn't it in uh (laughs) Star Wars 3.5. But I I feel I'm happy that she has, I think, a more subdued personality. I would say that it's more wizened or mature. And I think it's it's a logical transition from being a Padawan to a quote unquote master. I think we saw some growth like in Anakin. I mean, Anakin in in Attack of the Clones versus Anakin in uh, Revenge of the Sith uh, are different. However, he does still have his his moments where he certainly leaps in and does things he shouldn't do. But I feel like we kind of leave that Ahsoka behind and she is more of a tactician. She thinks about things. I think she has more wisdom than she did before. She can be more of a leader than a follower, a mentor to some of these people. And I think I thrice agree that having her more in the show, however much I would have loved that, I think fans would have loved that, would have overshadowed the other characters in the show, which which I think is is was the point of it was was having this crew. Um, it's kind of like when you've got actors, like no name actors, that you're like giving a chance to, and then all of a sudden you bring Meryl Streep. <laughs> you know, Meryl Streep is going to get all the star power, and everyone's going to be wowed by her. But then you forget about the other people. So I think having her in less doses, but the doses that we were provided with were super powerful and meaningful, and so that's why I feel like they did a good job. And and then you know they left us with a cliffhanger. Um, with her and Sabine, but I'm hoping that that will tie in. And and so, really, it's worth the wait. Uh, Filoni knows what he's doing. Worth the wait we get to see her in live action, and then, of course, hopefully more live action with her. It definitely seems like that. Actually, one of the things that I forgot to mention was I remember even before I had seen her, just from seeing like the previews of the Clone Wars movie and seeing that they were introducing this new character, I remember being just a little bit kind of like, Okay, they're introducing a, a young, you know, female Jedi character, a new character to appeal to the kids. But I'm like, this, this character is like fated to die because we know she doesn't come back in Revenge of the Sith. So I was like, what's the point of introducing this character that like young fans are going to get attached to if it's just going to break their heart? Because she's probably going to die by the end of the movie or die by the end of the series. So I mean, part of me wishes that I had been there from the beginning to see her trajectory because I would have been anticipating her dying by the end of the Clone Wars series. But because I knew. By the time, because I had watched Rebels since, or the the first season, I knew that she had survived that. So I was just kind of waiting to see, okay, how does she get away? How like how how does she survive? Uh, and the fact that at the end of that fifth season, when she it, it's the Jedi Order that breaks her heart, mm. and the the, mm-hmm. the belief system that that she's grown up in, that she's so disillusioned by, and even when Anakin's like, they'll take you back, just come back to us, and she's like, no. No, I, this is not. This isn't what I thought it was. This isn't what I've grown up believing. It's she's like this, this you know, like losing just faith, and she walks away from it. And I'm like, 
that is so much more what I would have rather have seen them do with Anakin Skywalker in the movies. I was like, why couldn't they have had him lose his faith in the Jedi Order and then that lead to him being more easily corrupted and turning against it because he felt betrayed? That would have been such a better journey. Um, but yeah, but that, so that was her. So yeah, then that uh, kind of does take us to some things that we had talked about, Chris, when we kind of speculated now that we have seen her in live action. And I definitely want to come back to the, the Jedi episode of the Mandalorian. But just thinking, because Stella, you actually mentioned Filoni has all these things planned. There are lots of things that I want to see them kind of explore that were picked up. The that world between worlds where the like you know where Ezra was able to pull her out of you know to pull her out of time and that the Emperor was developing. You have characters like the the Bendu and these other entities that have aspects of the Force that are not Jedi or Sith. Um, the fact that she still does not consider herself to be a Jedi and now she's wielding these white lightsabers sort of symbolically. Um, I just feel like she can she can open up a path that is very different for our understanding of the force going forward. Um, which is why I don't think necessarily characters like her and other characters that we've seen have to somehow be killed off before we get to the last Jedi in order for that to make sense. I think that, that we can have a completely different understanding of the force because of characters like Ahsoka. And I hope that's where we go, but I'm now I'm jumping ahead to the speculation. So I, I, I want to get all of your opinions on what I was just talking about, but let's backtrack for a second. When we see her in The Mandalorian, first of all, uh, what did we think of the casting of Rosario Dawson? Um, and she, we, we talked about it a little bit. You had a little bit of a reservation with this. Can you explain that? You want me to go first? Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. So we can gang up on you and tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah, because I don't know if this will... So let me let me just... No, here's my disclaimer. I do not dislike. I do not dislike Rosario Dawson in this role. I don't dislike the episode. There's very little I dislike in the Mandalorian in general. So I'm definitely not trying to nitpick. Um, however, when I watched this episode, I mean, I watched it for the first time when it aired, and then um, Ryan and I watched it um, a couple nights ago. We rewatched it. When I see Ahsoka. I see Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka. I don't see Ahsoka. So like th- it's been a it's been a struggle for me because I, I just I can't see past Rosario Dawson. I don't like I she doesn't sink into the character for me. Do I think it was a good performance? Sure. Like do I do I do I like the episode? Yes. Um, but I see Rosario Dawson. Um and I and I don't see like Stella, you mentioned you know, Ahsoka is snips and I I did not see any of Snips there. I, I she was just a little bit too much Sin City. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I do think she should have had like the, the fishnets and an, an Uzi or something like that. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe maybe once the show starts. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, that was just the introduction. I, you know, that's, I think that's a valid that's a valid criticism. I mean, for I think for some of the reasons that you didn't you know didn't quite work for you, uh, it, it did work for me because. You know, number one, I think Ashley Ecclestein, right? Did we decide yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Um, she, I mean, she did a great job, you know, as the voice actress, obviously. But there's always this element. I mean, she played Ahsoka from, you know, the introduction of the character when, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the age is, but you get the sense that she was like, you know, young teenage years at the oldest. 
So there's always this childlike quality to that character in the animated form and the voice performance because that carried through with that same voice actress. So one of the things I was excited about with Rosario Dawson being cast and which I thought, you know, worked well in the episode is that this is Ahsoka, you know, 25 years later or whatever and she's a grown-ass woman now and she's traveled around the galaxy and she's seen some things and she's experienced some things and you know i like the fact that you know rosario dawson you know has you know she's she's a sexy woman and it kind of imbues ahsoka with a little bit of that you know kind of sexiness not like in a you know a lurid way but like in a way where you get the sense this is a person who's matured and grown. And like I said, she's a grown ass woman now. So I like what she brought to that role just by, just by her being Rosario Dawson. And yeah, I mean, it's tough to have, you know, to, to look for the connected tissue between the original version and what we get now, because you're making the leap from animation to live action. I think you're always going to have that disconnect. It's never going to quite be the same. And, you know, I think if they start bringing in more of these animated characters like Thrawn, for instance, we'll definitely see live action. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how those translate as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought she was well cast and I'm excited to see what she does with the role. I mean, obviously, you know, the, they didn't give a whole lot of, you know, character work in that episode. It was just kind of like, you know, we determined it was a backdoor pilot. I think we'll get into more of that in the actual show itself. And we'll see what Rosario Dawson can really do. You know, I was just happy to see a person of color, frankly, uh, because <laughs> there are a lot of white people on that show. Though, you know, there are some other people of color on there, but not many women, to be honest, uh, besides Ming-Nolan and um, the people in that village. But anyway, so, you know, I'm... Star Wars, I, Star Wars has a type for its female characters. I think I made a point that there's there's been more purple-haired women than there are blonde women. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure, yeah. So anyway, so I was just happy that there is some diversity there. And funnily enough, a friend of mine that we chat about Star Wars a lot had messaged me some sort of fan image of, you know, Rosario Dawson could be... Uh, or should be Ahsoka. And then I think the news broke either like the next day or something like that, that, hey, she's going to be, which was really funny. Uh, or maybe it was a week later. I don't know that it, it happened. I like Rosario Dawson. I can totally see uh, what Angela is talking about in regards to seeing the actress rather than the character. I think part of it is because we know Rosario Dawson so well that, again, you know, if there were a no-name actress or not someone well-known. I wonder if that would have changed. I think another reason is that we love, I think to a certain extent, a lot of people love Ahsoka and we all have our ideas of who's going to play her. And so it's hard to, I think, match up to your ideals that you have. But for the most part, I enjoyed her portrayal. I think I wasn't like blown away and i think i still right now prefer her animated portrayals and part of me thinks i just need to give it time i think there's a there's a a definite quantity difference there. yes yeah so in preparation for this you guys did way more prep than i did i watched (laughs) a video on youtube of all of her scenes cut together in one video which was kind of funny and it was nine minutes she was only in nine minutes of that 44-minute episode or how long it was. <laughs> and so that's all we got with her. And and I'm I'm hoping that 
you know, our opinions or our feelings will change, you know, if given this this longer sequence to to get to know her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I assume we're going to talk about sort of body and appearance too, or do you want me to talk about? That I, I actually I did want to get to that, like the the actual physical costuming and the okay. look, because that's that's one thing that I've heard different people have a way opinions on. Sure. Um, but just before that, like I mean, I. I definitely understand the being able to not see the actress necessarily disappear into the character. Um, I can see that. And I've had that issue with other things. And part of it is just the unavoidable fact that Rosario Dawson did not create this character. We have known this character for a while before this in a different format. I, I, you know, it might be the exact same thing. I think we all agree that we will see Grand Admiral Thrawn in live action in the next year or two in, in one of these new shows. And I just wonder, I mean, even if we hadn't seen him in the cartoon Rebels, we've read him in the books, we've heard his voice mm-hmm. in our heads, we know that character, we have an idea of our character. Whoever they end up casting as him, like, it, will will we see that actor playing the character? Will we see Thrawn? You know, that, that could always be a little bit of a hang-up. But... Yeah, I'm I'm sort of in between. I mean, I I do look at her and I I think this is a live action version of Ahsoka. Uh, I don't necessarily see Rosario Dawson. I think there is enough of her that is embodying the character, but it does feel a little bit like it's Ahsoka once removed from my mental image of her because my mental image of her is going to be the animated version until I see a whole lot of her in live action where that becomes the de- the default position but yeah it's interesting ryan because um bo-katan right has the same transformation but she's played by the 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 woman who katie sakoff who did the voice too yep yeah and i didn't have the same blip there of course i don't i don't know that actress outside of her voice work but like that was bo-katan immediately for me Mm um so i i I think you might be onto something in terms of like Rosario Dawson having to kind of, you know, feel the character out and, you know, maybe she'll settle more into her when, when they begin the series. Um, by the way, I, I couldn't help after Chris was talking about um, Ashley Eckstein and her growing into the character. Ryan, she is two days older than you. So if that gives you a, an idea of her growing into that character. So... Now I'm just going to be haunted by the idea that if I had just been born a few days older, I could have been the voice of Ahsoka. Yes. Oh. Yes, you could have. It could, could have been yesterday. Oh, the life unlived. So. <laughs> okay. Um, but to, to the, the question that uh, Stella did bring up, one of the things that I did hear from some of my other friends in the fan community is somebody said when they saw a live action Ahsoka, they didn't think the character looked right. Like they didn't think the Leku, like the head tails worked very well. They thought it looked kind of like cheap or, or weird. It was a little bit too alien or maybe too fake. What did you guys think of the actual, like the, I mean, seeing the, the character in live action, do you think that transfer physically worked for you guys? Um, Stella, since you asked the question, yes. what did you think? Yeah. So I only have, because I was shocked that, apparently the internet was upset and I don't go down those rabbit holes. And so I asked somebody and they, they were telling me what problems they had. So I, my cosmetic grievances are with, I would have liked her. I call them tendrils. What are they actually called? I yeah, Well, Angie said Lake they're Lake, right? because she okay. said that her, her species is an offshoot of the Twi'lek. 
Okay. Right. Yeah, they. Head, yeah, they're called. I think. Sons. I think head tails. I think is a pretty yeah. common term for them. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't she a Togruta? Togruta is the species. Yes. Yeah, but right. I guess, okay. right. I guess in, uh, if you go to Wikipedia, they they share some yeah. ancient ancestor species. Okay. <laughs> so. Wow. Impressive. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um. So my cosmetic grievances are that they were not as long as they should have been given that they grow with age. I mean, they were as short as they probably were at, I don't know. Her first appearance when she was was like 13 years old. Now, I did hear that they had to keep them short because of the choreography and the action. Yeah, the stunts. Which I I totally get. The other cosmetic thing is that the one on the left, um, it just didn't seem as well, like, well-crafted. I mean, there were kind of cracks in it and everything. And so I'm like, at first I thought, well, you know, I got to give them a break. They're doing some hard stuff. But then I think about my favorite Jedi, Kit Fisto, and he was rocking his uh, his tendrils or whatever. He, they looked beautiful and wondrous as he was getting slaughtered by uh, Sidious. So I, I don't know. I don't know about uh, about that. But those everything else looked great, uh, in my opinion. But, you know. A lot of people like to harp on things. Should I also talk about her, um, her, her body, like her physical motions? Or are we doing that some other Please time? do. Okay. So this is the other thing. And I feel like it might just come down to training and just getting in the character's skin. And Rosario isn't, um, you know, the actress that the last four episodes, or I guess the, the ultimate confrontation between Darth Maul and Ahsoka at the end of this seventh season, they actually did mocap and had people fighting. That's not Rosario Dawson. So I think she could only do so much because I would have, I just feel like Ahsoka that I know is more limber and could have done way more. So I just would have liked more on the fighting aspect. And I just felt like watching that fight with that woman, it was like a hard fight for Ahsoka. And I thought Ahsoka fought Darth Maul. There's no, and, Mm. and, and Darth Vader, there's no way this woman is giving her as much trouble as she did. So I forgot she could use the force. (laughs) (laughs) That might be true. And, And just her characteristic stance of uh, flipping one of her lightsabers around uh, which she did when she lost the first one in the pond area you kind mm-hmm. of saw that at the end but just like uh, man she didn't move as much as I would have uh, liked to see her move like Ahsoka so just like tiny things but again I mean this is wish fulfillment that we saw a cartoon character become a live action so honestly I'm just super excited to see that and these are just like nitpicks that I can get over quite easily that that was actually something that I in the middle of the episode I I I had to tell myself to consciously adjust my expectation because I was also kind of like, I was like, her movement just feels stiff. She mm. she doesn't have the fluidity. And then I had to kind of think about, I was like, okay, the characters in the Filoni verse, those animated, there is a really heightened stylization to the, yeah. to the fight choreography and the way the characters move. That is not realistic that you can't really replicate on screen unless everything is motion capture and, and your whole like fighting style. Like they couldn't do exactly the, like what she, like her, her type of uh, fighting with Darth Maul or like when Maul and Savage press were fighting uh, mm. Darth Sidious in those episodes and everything. It's like some of these battles are just, they're, they're way too fast. They're way too stylized and everything. So I, I actually had to tell myself, okay, this is a different media. There are different physical rules to this, but yeah, I do hope that it is something that they can develop over time with her show. And he, and yeah, that like 
I, w- I was also giving it a pass because I loved like the filming of that whole episode, the way they treated her kind of like a ghost, like a supernatural threat to like this thing and, and bringing in all of the samurai influences from the visuals and everything. Like, like if Dave Filoni hadn't directed it, I would have assumed it was Kurosawa. Um, <laughs> and then, and then like the final showdown, where, like Angie and I were talking, we were making all the, uh, the allusions to the, uh, the battle from Kill Bill volume one, um, with the, uh, the the Asian garden. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, it's the same type of thing. I'm like, okay, this is not a serious fight for Ahsoka. She's fighting a middle-aged woman with a spear who has no other innate powers. She hands this woman her ass. Why is this a, a, a challenge? I'm like, okay, they're just, they're, they're handicapping her for the sake of drama in this episode. But I'm kind of okay with it because, again, I love the look of it. And I love like the the style of film that they're referencing in this type of battle. Um, so I find that that was kind of interesting, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's also, this was a test to see if they could pull it off to see if they mm-hmm. could get away with it. And I think we all agree that there might've been some flaws some some cracks in the armor, but it, it was successful. Uh, Chris or Angie, did either of you have like a problem with either the physicality of the costuming design or with the movement? Sure. I mean, I, I agree with everything Stella said. I don't think it was enough. Like, I didn't dislike it, right? It wasn't enough for me to be like, oh, that was awful. Like, that's not true. But, you know, again, it, it looks a little bit like Rosario Dawson in cosplay. Her her leku, you can see visible wrinkles around, like, where the material's bending around her face. And it it, it looks like, like it, you know, you're kind of, like, looking through the, the cracks of the costume. So like things like that, I, I I wasn't thrilled about, but I'm like, okay, fine, right? They they had this one appearance in this one episode. Like they've got to be careful with their budget. Like they'll do better when it's her show, um, and she's wearing them all the time. I definitely like Stella. You and I are geeks. Like we noticed that the Leku <laughs> should have been like longer, and mm-hmm. it, and it's hard to see around. Like I, I totally understand the the functions of the costume, but like it, it's just it's not accurate right um so her 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 leku had had to be longer and she can't cut it like we cut our hair (laughs) so um it's just not accurate again not enough for me to be upset about but it's like it is what it is like it's not correct and in terms of her fighting like yeah like ryan said i just kind of like chuckled at that last fight so it's like that this this woman does not pose a threat to her we know that and and it does seem like i i really wish they had added something where she was like stalling her for a reason um because it, it just like that that shouldn't have been a difficult fight for for ahsoka at all yeah i have a more charitable view on, on all of that uh honestly i mean it did strike me initially when when she first appeared on screen that her her head tails were proportionally too small, but I made peace with it at the point that I realized also her eyes weren't the size of dinner plates. So <laughs> like there wasn't the, you know, it's, it's, it's an animated animation to live action translation. And obviously they have, you know, seasoned professionals putting all this stuff together. Somebody realized we can't make the head tails work proportionally because it just, for whatever reason. And I accepted it in about 30 seconds and I'm fine with it. Now, the interesting thing about, you know, you, you guys are really looking at it closely, closer than I was. The head tails for, for this species, even going back to the prequels, with the, there's the Jedi Master that's the same species. I forget that. Uh, maybe, Stella, you Shakti? remember that character? Shakti. 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 <laughs> you people are terrible. 
I like Shakti. Shakti is great. But um, <laughs> she, she, she actually showed up in a couple episodes of Clone Wars. But um, it never read to me because, you know, they, they separated. Unlike, unlike the uh, Twilight, they separated with like, a, with like a headband. Yeah. So even in animated form, it never read to me as like a part of them. It read to me as like a fancy headdress. And so it still kind of reads that way to me because you don't ever see like just like her head, you know, her face going directly into the head tails. There's a separation there. So that the, whatever, you know, like fakeness that, that there might be to it, it never bothered me because it never, in my mind, it doesn't read to me as something organic anyway. So, I mean, it is what it is. I thought she looked like Ahsoka close enough. And, you know, in terms of like the body movements and uh, the combats, I mean, look, we're, we are decades past the point that anything with the Jedi and using the force has been consistent. There are so many times where you're like, that guy is really strong in the force and he didn't do the thing right there that, you know, look at the Phantom Menace when they're doing like the, you know, the, the warp speed runs, the sprints. And then at the end, when they're having the fight and Qui-Gon is in trouble, Obi-Wan seems to forget he can do that to get <laughs> across that bridge to get to his master and help him. And he just stands there and allows the things to close in front of him and watches him die. I'm like, you did it like five times at the beginning of the movie. So it's it's there's always that. I mean, they 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 got especially across the different media. If you play some of these video games and you have these force powered characters, the things they can do are ridiculous. And hey, they, they just be- introduced force teleportation in the last couple movies. Yeah, so it's like, and they keep bringing in the new powers, and they've never, they've always been cute about you know like hey, here's this great new power that Jedi can do or Force users can do, but not consistently and not always, and a lot of them forget they can do it, and so that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. And to like Ryan's point, it's quite obvious that like they were you know drawing out the the dramatic tension of that scene. And I will say, and I'll have to go back and revisit it, I'm pretty sure she was trying to get information out of that character. So she might have not been giving her her best because she wanted to find out where Grand Animal Thrawn was and was convinced this person knew. So I'm thinking maybe she was kind of holding back. That, that, I'd have to go back and rewatch the, that episode again to be clear on that. But I know that's why she was there to get that information. So that could be a factor as well. I mean, it's enough to, you know, help me maintain my suspension of disbelief because you, you cannot find consistency in how these things are dealt with in this universe. They just, they, they abandoned that a long time ago. So overall, I was quite happy. I mean, it's, it's not the same character in the sense that it's not in the, you know, the animated form. It's, it's a different character. And since these, you know, these two characters or these two aspects of this character are decades apart from each other, I can accept that, they're not going to be the same and it doesn't bother me to the last part in terms of uh, Dawson's performance. uh, And I chalked this up equally to her and to the writing in the intro of that episode, when she comes out of the woods after she's taken off, taken out all like the sentry guards. And she basically gives the ultimatum to the the governess or whoever, and, and basically challenges her. And she's like, surrender or you know and face the consequences or something like the way she delivered the lines i heard ahsoka do those lines i was like there there was a kind of command and authority that i had felt hearing ahsoka by the end of her journey in the animated series that we had seen so i I think part of that was in the writing uh with what filoni and favreau did for to give her that voice but i also thought dawson presented that correctly surrender or face the consequences. 
You have one day. All right. Going forward, I mean, I, I mentioned that, you know, the, the animated series, they I, I liked when they kind of explored corners and pockets of the force and, and mastery of these different supernatural powers that weren't just fit into the rigid Jedi and Sith systems. Uh, and we've seen a little bit. Um, does anybody want to see more things like that? Or where do you think Ahsoka's story goes? They did announce that we're going to see the Ahsoka show and the uh, Rangers of the New Republic will be basically taking place simultaneously and will eventually cross over into one big event. My feeling, and I mentioned this to Chris, that I think the Rangers of the New Republic is basically going to be picking up the Rebels characters like Hera and Zeb and the crew of the Ghost and maybe Sabine too, uh, and their quest to find Ezra. Um, And I I think basically the crossover event that is going to bring them together is going to be the return of Ezra and or Thrawn. Um, Anybody have any ideas besides that or what are you expecting to see in their shows and what are you maybe hoping to see in those shows? Rangers of the new Republic. Here's the thing. The, the X-Wing series that came out in like, what was it the nineties or the early two thousands? The Rogue Squadron books that, yeah. 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 When I, like when I was like tearing my way through every piece of star Wars literature that was out there, um, I got to those and I was like, oh, right, I guess I'll read these, right? Like kind of like <laughs> Clone Wars. And I loved them. And so when I when I hear you say like, oh, Rangers of the New Republic, I get the same feeling. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, but I kind of know in the back of my head, I'm like, uh, they're probably going to do that to me again. Or it's <laughs> going to be like Top Gun in space and it's going to be fun. I actually kind of hope they don't. I, I kind of hope they don't do anything with the Ghost and, and the Spectre crew. Sorry, Rye. I hope that it's all new characters, maybe a little bit of an overlap of like those, those X-Wing pilots that, that um, stranded poor Din and Grogu and the frog lady with all the spiders. <laughs> Actually saved them from the spiders, but then like left them with a, a wrecked ship. I think that would be really interesting. And I, I wouldn't mind the Spectre crew kind of crossing through some of these properties, but they had their show. So I, I don't know that I want them to, to pick up and be kind of dominant characters again mm-hmm. until we start hitting these like these larger beats, right? Like you said, with the, the things cl- crossing over. I, I also think that if Thrawn is coming back, which he's going to, right? Like ah- Ahsoka asking for that name tells us that that like they're teasing that that's the storyline that's coming. Right. I, Ezra's coming with him, right? Like the, the two of them disappeared together. So they're also telling us that there's that possibility as well. And, you know, since I spent weeks saying, I really, really, really wish that Luke Skywalker would, would be the one that shows up, but that's definitely not going to happen. My, my faith in the impossible has been um, reawoken. And, and I think now that, that anything is possible, maybe even Sebastian Stan. <laughs> If they, if they just de- if they did the de aging thing, they're not going to recast him now. They've, they've no, I I honestly like I think that they could. Like I I do I do hope that they kind of let go. Like I I really think that the the sin of the Disney trilogy was that they would not let go of those three actors, and um, I think that's what made things fall apart. If they had just let go of those three, those three don't care. Right, Mark Hamill would love Luke Skywalker to be recast. Carrie Fisher did not give a shit. Right, she did not care, and Harrison Ford certainly doesn't care. 
so why does everyone else care? Like, <laughs> recast the character. <laughs> Who is holding the wall up? No one. No one. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah, if Carrie Fisher didn't give a shit, Harrison Ford was like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Um, uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> sort of sort of something that we've already talked about where now with this information that we, we right. have, where do you think the, where do you think Ahsoka's journey might go? Well, you know, you and I touched on this briefly in the Disney investor day uh, podcast, which is, you know, and they touched on this in that episode where we saw, you know, how, you know, we talked about how very much the Mandalorian is the spaghetti Western and kind of is bringing that aspect of Star Wars to the forefront. And then in that episode, they brought the Eastern influences to the forefront. Like you, you know, you referenced the Kill Bill uh, fight with the, you know, the, the Japanese garden and that whole vibe. And I thought that was very cool. And, you know, one of the things we talked about was this idea of Ahsoka being a Ronin. You know, she is the masterless samurai that wanders the galaxy. And I like that idea. And, what I really would like to see, and again, as you mentioned, is for, I, I want this show to get weird. I want this show to take us places with the Force that we really haven't seen, as, and definitely not seen in live action. You know, that Filoni touched on it uh, briefly in you know various episodes of uh, two animated shows. And yeah, I'd like to see that explored. I, I'd like to see her in the outer reaches of like, you know, unknown space encountering just weird wild shit that like we have not seen the star Wars universe before and having those types of adventures. Um, that is my hope for it. And I hope that's what they're going to do to differentiate it from the format that they, you know, they have for the Mandalorian. I definitely want to see some more teleporting space jellyfish. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so what do the you greatest think? Episodes of Clone Wars was when they were on that weird force planet with the old man and the two, the two, like the, the twins the son and the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. And they, they came back to that in, um, in rebels in the episode where the, like the thing, the whole painting in the temple where right. that, that led to Ezra finding uh, Ahsoka and bringing her back. There was that whole portrait of the yeah. old man and the, and the son and the daughter. So there's that, there's some there's some mythological thing there that's that's yet to be tapped. So, uh, Stella, your hopes or, and or yeah. speculation for the future? <laughs> yeah, I guess mostly hopes. Well, I'll give you some speculation. Well, first of all, I've been wondering for years now about genes when it comes to a a, <laughs> a human man. And a Twilight woman oh, because having and- pelvic <laughs> affiliation and the sun has green hair. That, that doesn't work. So I want that question. <laughs> I definitely hope I'm speculating that Sabine needs to be like a huge role. Like it's we'll see her often. It's going to be some buddy cop stuff going on with her and um, Ahsoka because that's how rebels ended i mean those two are going off to find ezra and mm-hmm. Thrawn by extension i would love to see inquisitors in real life however they better get their stuff to be blown away by that fight choreography um i don't know if they're all gone but that would be amazing and yeah i, I think i second everyone else's uh thing i i you know it's she's one of the few remaining Jedi, so I hope that we encounter maybe some more Jedi that we find out, oh, there are actually uh, a few more dotted around and and what that may look like. 
And and a lot of, you know, something I really love about Ahsoka, I think, well, I guess this is true of all Jedi, right, is their compassion. So I think having similar interactions that um, the Mandalorian had with the uh, the episode, uh, with the village, you know, getting together and helping. And she did that in the, in the Jedi as well. She was helping people. I, I think that's, it's Jedi at its core, but it's also Ahsoka just reaching out to people and showing um, overwhelming empathy and compassion. And so I, I hope that we see that. That's probably what I would love more than fighting is to see who she is in her soul. So those are my hopes and expectations and some genetics, please. <laughs> you're really bothered by Kanan and Hera having a child with green hair. With green hair, that doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. Hey, a for, body, for we- <laughs> a white person a, with green uh, tendrils, yes, but green hair, no, not at all. Actually, for all we know, Kanan could have been a natural greenhead and dyed his hair. <gasps> you're right. Yeah, you, you read the comics about Kanan's origin, so you, you know he was always naturally. <laughs> Um, God, is it when? Uh, yeah, I should say when they bring Sabine back. Uh, uh, all of their shows are going to have somebody wearing a Mandalorian helmet. They just can't get away from that design. It's gonna get- well, you know, we know what's interesting though is like, I mean, if if Rangers of the New Republic ends up being, you know, what we think it's going to be, I, I tend to agree with you on that possibility, Ryan. I mean, she'd have a place in any of these three shows because the Mandalorian, I think. I'm assuming the Mandalorian is going to go back to Mandalore for season three. Yeah. She can be involved in that. She can be involved with the Ahsoka show and she can be involved in the Rangers of the Republic show. She can maybe make a, she can maybe be in all three. Who knows? Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Whoever they end up casting, if it's somebody who, who can be that versatile can kind of bounce between all of them. So she, she could be like the connective tissue, you know, that brings them all together or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Before, before we got the announcements of all of the spinoff shows, when I just knew that they were bringing characters like Ahsoka and Bo-Katan into the season of Mandalorian, I had the same fear that I, that I kind of thought about Ahsoka coming into Rebels. I was like, oh man, is she just, are these, the, the, like, are, is Filoni just bringing back his old, his, his kids, his daughters, and, and just having these same plots? Are they going to hijack this story? And then I, I think they showed that, nope, they, they had a very specific plan for where where to go with a character, and that was just a, a backdoor pilot to to launch her into her own spinoff. So, uh, yeah, I I am definitely excited for for wherever they end up taking the character because I've I have grown to love the character, and I think she is one of the definitely one of the best characters to come out of Star Wars in a long time. Uh, one of the most fascinating journeys, um, a character that a lot of kids can look up to, regardless boy or girl. A mm-hmm. lot of kids look up to this character and, and are fascinated by her journey. Uh, Stella, there. Uh, I, I do have a question you... before we end too. Okay. <laughs> I know it's um, not my show, but I just have a burning question. But you uh, ask whatever you're about to ask. Okay. Um, there is a there is an Ahsoka novel. Have you read that one? I have read that by E. K. Ooh, I was gonna say James, but I feel like that isn't that the Fifty Shades Grey <laughs> offer. Uh, I can't. No, it's uh something Johnston. I can't remember, but yes, I have actually read. When, when is the book set? E.K. Johnson. Oh, that's a good question. It's definitely after Clone Wars. Um, after she's. Lo- 
So like is basically she's on the run and she's trying to hide her. She is, yeah, powers. and she okay. ends up helping out uh, some people. And uh, there's a like a minor romance shipper, like a queer shipper. And I'm like, oh, is Ahsoka? Could this be? But uh, she doesn't show any affection for the other person. But that was interesting. Um, yeah, so it's it's that she is on the run. Yes, it's okay. it's okay. I mean, it's a YA, so it's like okay. It's okay for that, but there are probably better ones. Um, I hope they do some more with her. That'd be great. What was the question you were going to ask? Am I the only one that's dissatisfied that she did not train Grogu? Like, does it make sense if we eliminated the thought that she had a pilot? Does it make sense that she said, I can't train him? No, no. I I didn't think so so either. Unless, no. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Stella, I had such a problem with that. And I told Ryan that that she, she needed a different reason because she, you know, I think the emotional beat was there for her to to be kind of afraid of him because she's like, okay, I've seen someone with emotional attachment before. And I, you know, when she, she references like, you know, the best of us will, you know, will fall to this type of attachment and fear. But then she turns around and sends them to a forced payphone to call someone else to train. Him. <laughs> so, so I'm like, wait, 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 wait. If you're so worried about him being trained because of him falling to the dark side, then why are you turning around and saying like, fine, have someone else train him? I would have much preferred for her to say like, I wasn't fully trained myself. So I don't feel like I can do this or I'm really busy right now. I'm like hunting down this grand admiral who like may have killed my friend or not. And, and I think like there were, there were other ways they could have done it. I did like the juxtaposition between her saying, you know, I know I can't train him because of the attachment in the very mm-hmm. like old Jedi sense. And then Luke showing up and being like, sure, kid, like, come on, let's go. <laughs> um, but no, that didn't work for me. I, I hmm. felt like that that was maybe just an excuse. But I would have rather her had been more honest. Because yeah, I mean, what you said to me was that Ahsoka isn't the type of character who would turn down someone in need. No, she would at least help them. Yeah. Right. Like she would at least help him control himself enough, even if she said, I can't train you all the way, but let me at least help you control your impulses. Let me at least show you how to meditate. Like, I, I don't think she would have like just dropped them and she doesn't. Right. She, she sends them, you know, on their way. But again, like I felt like that was a contradiction to what she, had, why she had said she couldn't train him in the first place. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think my read on that, I mean, yeah, first of all, I mean, she did help them. I mean, she sent them to the, you know, like you said, the, the, the force phone booth. And <laughs> I mean, I, the big thing for me is whether or not you want to take what she said as an excuse or she didn't really want to admit the truth. But the bottom line is, I mean, she's not a Jedi. So she left the Jedi order. It's not, that's not her gig anymore. I mean, I, I don't know. Number one, yeah, she even has the capability to train someone else because as you pointed out, she was never really truly fully trained, but I I definitely think that is just not because she's not affiliated with the Jedi in any way, shape or form. She just didn't want to open that can of worms. I mean, yeah, maybe it could have been done better. I I, have to go rewatch the episode again with your criticism in mind to see how it plays for me, but it didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't bother me at the time though. Stella, you, you asked the question, did you have like a specific reasoning? Uh, no, I was just disappointed. I mean, after all of that, you know, Bo-Katan is saying there's someone that can probably help you and, and going through, 
And it just seemed like she gave up so easily. Like it's to it's, you know, this irascible child. I'm not going to train him. And I thought, Ahsoka, you've got to be better than that. And and it just seemed like it was too easy for plot conveniences. And it connects and it actually it, it makes it her seem, I don't know, one like a liar because she did she did agree. Yeah. And like that bothered me too, because they, they basically he was like, I'll help you take down this magistrate if you will train him. And she's like, like, you know, she didn't answer, but it seemed like there was an implied agreement there. And and Ahsoka doesn't lie by omission. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Maybe and- she does. Maybe she does now. No. Maybe she does now. <laughs> I hope it's the Sin City version of Ahsoka. <laughs> um, but and then when you see her going after Thrawn, and if people had not seen rebels then it seems like she's on this venge quest and then the portrayal of her then is that she cares more about whatever vengeance it is against this blue guy character some guy named thrawn versus training someone and and trying to foster that so that's like a a huge i think red flag for me um so it just feels like plot convenience it's it makes it kind of okay but i just had a I, i couldn't believe it that 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 was it take him with you but we did get luke skywalker out of it so i suppose we sh- again Everything should not forgiven. complain too heavily too heavily yeah well yeah i mean at, at this point i think she's roughly f- 10 years past the last time we would have seen her in continuity um well i mean i guess the the very finale very end of Rebels suggest that that is after Return of the Jedi. So this is five or six years after that, I think. Um, and so, I mean, she's had a long, complicated journey, and she does not consider herself a Jedi. She has perhaps had to compromise herself in ways that she's not proud of and that she doesn't think would be the best to train a young. So I didn't have a problem with her not training Grogu. I, I, I thought... A, she wasn't the right character to do with that, like structurally. So I was like, okay, they're going to have to make up a reason for her not to be the one to do it. Um, but I also, I, I mean, I, I get what I get what Ange is saying too. That it just it it seemed a little bit harsh for Ahsoka to be that. Uh, I mean, she did lie. I mean, she basically just you know she said she would help, and then she was like, go to this place, and you might get the answers you need. That seemed a little bit harsh for Ahsoka for me, but. If this is, in fact, a backdoor pilot, I mean, one of the things about pilots is they have usually have a lot of rough edges that get smoothed over when the series picks up from there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see. I, I mean, some of these some of these problems might be explained or retconned away um, by what we see going forward. Yeah, and Yoda um, did say that uh, they weren't going to train young Anakin, so maybe it's a nice little ring composition. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Because Chris, what was it's not, it? Always has to rhyme, just like poetry. We always have to, yeah, come back to, to rhyme. The same. Exactly. And let's not forget that Obi Wan also a liar. So I mean, <laughs> it, 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 oh, she, no. she, she she might from have picked a certain it up from point him. of view. From a, yeah, exactly. So that's 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 Ahsoka's out. She's like, well, I'm helping you from a certain point of view. Yeah. So I mean, that seems to be the Jedi way. So who knows? <laughs> Um, all right, I, I've got a bonus question for you guys, but uh, before that, any last or final thoughts about Ahsoka before we go? Um, just yeah, big picture. Where where do, where does the character rank for you among Ooh. among your among Star Wars characters among uh, like all the characters that you like or dislike? Like where where does Ahsoka rank for you in the tier of Star Wars characters? Uh, Stella, 
I wish I could have been prepared for this. I mean, definitely top 10, if not top five of Star Wars characters for me. And I'm curious just because we haven't had this conversation, who else might be up there? Like, Definitely Ray. I know that okay. I like the final trilogy more than you do, sir. I like, um, I, hey, I did a whole episode talking about all the things that I did love about the, the new trilogy. There's a ton of stuff in those movies that I adore. What? It must have been a short episode. No, it was a long ass episode. I'm kidding. Was, I'm kidding. Me and Omar talked for three hours. Oh, boy. <laughs> I only hated the last movie, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Hera is up there for me. Uh, Jar Jar Binks, sorry. He Shut is up. up. There Shut up. Okay, I'm, I'm moving wow. on. I'm not going to let you finish your list. <laughs> I do love the Jar Jar. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got a soft spot in my... I just rewatched. I'm up to six. So I'm on seven now. But, you know, Dex. Dex got a short little time, but he's he's up there for me. But honestly, Ray and, yeah, those are like the top two. I Honestly, is is Ray and Ahsoka, maybe. Ray, Ahsoka, and... Are you... Are you yeah. talking about the the cat the cafe guy from Yes, the, isn't Dex amazing? He doesn't get uh, any love either. Uh, well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Dexter oh, Jetster, the guy that Obi Wan's fifties diner cafe. Oh god. Yes, yes, that's the one. Obi Wan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but honestly, I would say top five for her. For me. Okay, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, it's a tough question. I mean, she's definitely up there. And I, you know, as I'm running through the other characters I love, I mean, first of all, she has a distinct advantage because y- you spend so much more time with her. I mean, because, <laughs> you know, so I, you know, like I, I'm, I'm a Han Solo guy from like A New Hope. I love Han Solo, but I've spent a lot more time with Ahsoka and she definitely had more of an arc. So, you know, and then there's like, you know, we just did the Boba Fett episode. I love the Boba Fett character, but I, I don't have much invested in him as a character. I just think he's cool. So it's, it's a tough call, but I would definitely put her probably top three. I mean, and mainly because she's definitely the character in Star Wars that of the last few years I'm the most excited about. Uh, because coming off of the Clone Wars and Rebels and in and, and her new show. So right now she might even be number one and that, with, a, with a list that will fluctuate, you know, with time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I got to put her up there with like Han Solo and let's put her at two. Han Solo, I'm going I'm to give Han Solo one for old time's sake. I'm going to give Ahsoka number two. I'm calling it. Wow. Yeah. Ange, bring us down. Bring us down. Okay. Look, one. How dare you drop that on us? Like I'm right there with Stella, right? That that was a horrible, horrible thing to do. Like we are your friends. And you I had a completely different us? bonus question for you guys that I'm not even oh going to ask because of this. Anyway, thank you, Chris and Stella, for going first, so I could like frantically brainstorm because like my mind would break. Like as a like, Star Wars, what's Star Wars? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Um, so I am. I am a lover of the classics. So, you know, like Han, Luke, and Leia, um, Invader are like really up there for me. Um, R2-D2 is one of my favorite Aww. characters. Um, Thrawn, when, I, when we start kind of reaching out into the extended universe, I, I love that character. I also like, like the, the, the small characters who I feel like um, bounce off from the other characters and, and kind of, give them more depth like for some reason i really like admiral piet 
<laughs> just like, like he's not on screen very often, but when he is, I'm just like, oh, that guy, oh, that guy. Um, I don't know his facial expressions. I just, they just kill me. Um, so, I mean, this list of people, and then I've got to say, like, um, I really, really have enjoyed the Mandalorian. So, so Din Jarnan is is in there, and and his character has is really been developing. I think especially in that that last episode where he kind of like accidentally becomes king of Mandalore and he's like what here just take it (laughs) um the last couple episodes I I think were my favorite episodes I really really liked episode um 15 with his development um with Bill Burr so Ahsoka is in there though and I think that's still like less than 10 people so um I think she makes it very cool very cool she's not in like the top three but she makes it Oh, that is cool. My top ten would be all droids, all droid characters. <laughs> no, I, I, I still think if if I, I, I kind of have to categorize if I'm counting like the old expanded universe characters, I think Talon Card from the from the Thrawn trilogy yeah. is oh, yeah, my favorite one. character. I always loved him. He was like certain shades of Han and Lando, but a little bit different too. I liked him and Mara mm-hmm. Jade too. God, I think. Mm. Of the of the female characters, if we're counting everybody, I loved Leia. I like Ray. I like Ray a lot too. And then Ahsoka and uh, Mara Jade from the expanded universe. Um, and then L three, a Lando's droid, because I count her as a female character. Oh gosh. <laughs> so, um, that yeah, that, that's that's awesome that we all like the character and that for for a lot of people who have been. Star Wars fans for decades uh, and really have a, a love for the the classic trilogy to be as open and and have such such a function for a new character uh, uh, that doesn't happen in a lot of fandoms, um, but I think it's pretty cool. Um, just before we go, uh, I wanted to mention Angie. The one, the one thing we didn't talk about our, our expectations and our hopes for the future is we both want to see the return of Hondo Onaka. Um, oh Hondo! Oh, why didn't Hondo? I can't believe Hondo didn't make my list. I love Hondo Onaka. Hondo's pretty great. Have you oh guys? Uh, I, w- I want to see. I, I and I hope they cast Benjamin Bratt as as him because because <laughs> <laughs> I, I and I, that would put me in the mind is we just like about a month ago watched the the Pixar movie Coco and and uh, Benjamin yeah. Bratt does the voice of uh, of the bad guy character and I want him to do I want him to play a live action he would, Hondo. He would crush it. Um, he, Hondo actually makes an appearance at uh, Galaxy's Edge. He's uh, there's an animatronic version of him that ushers you into the uh, Smuggler's Run ride. So that's oh wow, cool. nice. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, like I would go, I would go to Disney World just for that. All right. Well. Um... Thank you all three of you uh, for being on this episode. Uh, Stella, uh, Stella, of course, can be found at the Bad Girl to Oracle podcast. And uh, what other projects do you want to uh, do? You want to pitch? Uh, just I think required reading with Tom and Stella over at the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Cool, cool. Um, and Chris will probably be on the next episode. I don't know when it's going to be or what we're going to talk about, but that seems to be the trend. Um, we got we, we got a streak to protect, Ryan. <laughs> uh, I want to thank all of you. This uh, this was a very fun conversation. I like talking about the character, um, folks. Uh, we're going to take a promo break right now, and then after that, you are going to hear part of an interview that Angela conducted with our friend Aaron, who had never seen Ahsoka before The Mandalorian, and we'll see how that went. Uh, and then after that, I will do listener feedback from our last episode about Boba Fett. So stick around.
Man. When are you going to have an episode where basically you take all the disliked characters and I explain why you should like them? <laughs> Dr. Fate. Dr. Midnight. Starman. Johnny Quick. Wildcat. Power Girl. The All-Star Squadron. Firebrand. Amazing Man. Huntress. Cyclone. Sandman. Mr. Terrific. Commander Steel. Seven Soldiers of Liberty. Liberty Infinity Incorporated. Those are just some of the celebrated and beloved heroes associated with Earth 2 and the Justice Society of America. These daring mystery men and women banded together in 1940 to form the first super team in comics. They inspired a decades-long legacy of heroes who would follow in their footsteps, and now they've inspired us to launch a new podcast. Justice Society presents a new anthology on the Fire and Water Podcast Network featuring a variety of theme shows with different hosts celebrating some of their favorite comics and characters associated with the Golden Age of Comics, Earth 2, the JSA, and beyond. We'll launch this new series with an ongoing show called Justice Society Presents Crisis, in which Rob and Shag go through each of the classic team-ups between the Justice League and the Justice Society. Then joining the podcast feed will be the Starman Chronicles. Chris and Cindy continue their coverage of James Robinson's epic series from beginning to end. Later in the year, Ryan Daly and Max Romero will tackle the Vertigo title, Sandman Mystery Theater. And two years later, Ryan will cancel it. That's probably. Then in the coming months and years, we'll be adding further ongoing shows and one-off specials celebrating other beloved characters and comics related to the JSA of any era, from the 1940s to today. Join the fight for justice and subscribe to Justice Society Presents on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. So, um, you've been watching Mandalorian since season one. Yes. And you've been enjoying it. Yes. Uh, yes. It's been, it's been good. <laughs> I've enjoyed wa- waiting, you know, watching it every Friday night. Great show. Are you a, a casual Star Wars fan? Like, have you seen um, any of the movies or all of the movies? I, uh, growing up, I remember going to the theater, seeing the originals, um, and uh, I had all the cards. I had Death Star, I had X-Wing Fighter, TIE Fighter, Land Speeder. I had all the figures. I was a huge Star Wars fan. So I've seen all the movies. Yeah. Nice. How do you feel about the prequels? Um, I did not care for them that much (laughs) the the first three were my favorite um the prequels i was not into that much the last ones i thought were were better than the prequels i agree (laughs) and a jar jar bing or any of that stuff (laughs) not at all how did you feel about the episode where the other mandalorian showed up was that um The, the one where he showed up at the very end boba fett you mean who the one on the 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 water planet Oh, yeah, and I, I did not realize there were different groups of Mandalorians, so that was interesting. I didn't realize there was, like, the old school and then the other ones. Okay, so, like, there was this cool, like, different lore of different yeah. Mandalorians. Um, did you think that there was anything significant about them, or was it just, like, oh, different Mandalorians? Well, so it was interesting that different, like, their philosophy, kind of, and didn't align with, with his Mandos, so that was kind of interesting, that there was different, the two different groups and uh, kind of different goals. And, you know, it was nice how they got, actually, they worked together. That was kind of cool. You yeah, know, that was awesome. Working, working together, putting aside kind of their feelings. And I enjoy any of the new characters. I like how Star Wars universe is so huge. It's, it's cool to see different characters. 
so when she introduced herself, um, her name's Bo-Katan. Um, that didn't mean anything to you. And you're just like, oh, okay, she introduced herself. And then the name Ahsoka Tano didn't um, mean anything to you either, right? Nothing at all. Nothing <laughs> no. at all. Okay. <laughs> okay. So then now we're on to this last episode, The Jedi. What did you think of The Jedi in this episode? Oh, I liked it. I thought she was probably one of my favorite characters so far. Oh, I cool. Yeah. I, cool. I'm I'm a huge you know the Jedi fan so more that are alive is is good I think and um, oh cool I like how she just she's probably of all the Jedi you watch she's probably one of the the toughest or you know best most skilled with the two different lightsabers and I thought it was pretty cool I hope they put her in more episodes oh cool so you like. Just seeing her in that episode, you thought that she like had an awesome fighting style. You liked the two lightsabers. You like her design. I, I like how they uh, talked about her history. You know, working cool. with Yo- training under Yoda, and that's one of my favorite things of the Mandalorian is how they connect to the original, like Star Wars. The same, some of the same planets, sand people, different things like that. I like reading about the episodes when they're over, so that I can see the connections. Because I was reading about her after, because I had never seen or heard of her before. So, ah, uh, okay. So when you did some reading, like you found out like other stuff about her. Yeah, being in the clone, you know, people were excited. So a lot of people knew about her through the Clone Wars, the cartoon or whatever. Yes, that's where she was created, and that's where yeah. um, people know her from. That's why. That's why I was interested in talking to you because you hadn't seen that before. So I'm interested in like. You know, someone who didn't know who she was, like, did they, did you like, like her edition or were you like, who the heck is that? Which what what I wanted to ask you next is like you, so you, these names got dropped, um, like Ahsoka Tano and um, Grand Admiral Strawn and Bo-Katan, which she's also from Clone Wars. Um, So when you started reading up, you mentioned to me earlier, so are you thinking about watching Clone Wars and or Rebels now? Clone Wars, yes. And then Rebels, I didn't even know there was a, I think, Rebels. So that's new to me since you just mentioned that. So probably watch both of them now. Okay, cool. So I'm going to move because Reese is getting progressively louder. Okay. <laughs> kind of like the Blair Witch Project or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> I think I hear something. <laughs> you see, if you see someone standing in a corner, be careful. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's like the scariest thing ever. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> As a kind of um, kindred spirit, I um, you know, saw the first season of The Mandalorian and the, um, the Grand Moff, Gideon, when he, um, he kind of shows up at the end during that battle, he has the, that, that weird looking lightsaber thing. That's called the dark saber. I started watching. I wanted to watch Rebels because I'm a huge Grand Admiral Thrawn fan, and he's in Rebels. But then Ryan told me, well, in order to understand Rebels, you kind of have to watch Clone Wars. And I was like, oh, okay. And like the dark saber is also based in both. Like I think it shows up in Clone Wars, but also shows up in Rebels. And so I started watching those so that I would understand like just the Darksaber um, and see Grand Admiral Thrawn. So when you mentioned that you were thinking about watching them because you'd seen like Ahsoka Tano. And they said she had created a smaller, one of her lightsabers is shorter or smaller. She had created that on purpose. Um, So I'll definitely watch Clone Wars first then. Where are they streamed from? Are they 
Uh, they're on Disney Plus. They're both on Disney Plus. Right. And I, I will say, like, I really didn't want to watch Clone Wars because, like you, I am not a fan of the the prequels at all. And yeah. the Clone Wars are based, like, they are set um, between Attack of the Clones and like a little bit into Revenge of the Sith, right? Well, actually, it overlaps. Like the last few episodes overlap with Revenge of the Sith. Um, it's just kind of like you're you're off screen, right? You're like you're not seeing the things that are happening. And so I really didn't want to watch it because I was like, I hate the prequels. Like they they kind of ruined Star Wars for me for years. But I do have to say that um, they do a really good job with it, and they actually made me like characters that I hated in the prequels. Like by the end of it, um, I kind of like I kind of liked uh, Count Dooku, who I, I just hate him in the prequels. I like I think he's boring and weird, and I'm just like I Christopher Lee can't move. Um, in Clone Wars, I thought it was awesome, and that's um, sad because Christopher Lee is awesome. Like, yeah, he's awesome. He like him. I love him. Dracula and from like, Lord of the Rings, and yep, I just yeah. like it just didn't work for me. Um, and I, I can't stand Anakin Skywalker in the prequels and um, yeah. he's cool. Like I couldn't stand Obi-Wan really. Um, and in Clone Wars, he's awesome. And like the relationship between Anakin and, and Padme, like I, I hated in, in the prequels and I, and it's cool. And in, in Clone Wars, like they do well with it. To get more people to watch. We got to have some romance. We got to have the funny Jar Jar thing, whatever. And I just didn't get into that at all. I didn't. Yeah. There's other characters that were completely fixed for me that I don't even want to mention to you because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many years seasons was the Clone Wars? Oh, God. So how many like, late nights am I going to have ahead of me? So that's something to be careful of because I think it, there's a movie first and then there's seven seasons. Um, the episodes are like wow. a half an hour long, though. They're like 20, 20-something minutes. Um, so, so the Rebels... That one takes off at the end of where the Clone Wars end, or? Uh, no, they take, well, not too long after. They take place closer to the beginning of A New Hope. It's like a few years before A New Hope. Hmm. Yeah. Is there anyone like you hope, um, like I, I've been hopping around like poor Ryan, because is there anyone you hope? is going to be like the Jedi that finds them. That finds um like Mando and Grogu. Because he's trying to yeah, trying to find someone to train. I'm trying to think of at the end, I mean at the last movie, main character, she was one of the only Jedi's that I remember at the time. Right? And then she ended up burying the lightsabers and But that's like that's like thirty years in the future. I thought the Mandalorian, oh, I thought it took, so I was way off then. So the Mandalorian takes place between the Return of the Jedi and then the last three movies. Yeah, I think Mandalorian set like five years after Return of the Jedi. And then like the Disney sequels, the ones with like Ray and Finn and those guys, I think it's set like 30 years after Return of the Jedi. Huh. Wow, I didn't even think I. Now that you say that, yeah, that totally, yeah, makes. So sense. Ray's probably not even born yet. Born yet, yeah, that's true. So you have Luke Skywalker, and yeah, huh? I'm trying to think of some of the Jedi's that would still be alive. 
have a hard time thinking of all. I mean, that so many of them got killed, mm-hmm. especially in the prequels. And I don't know if any of the children, they were murdered too, but even if they lived, I don't know who would have trained some of them. But Skywalker eventually trains them because that's how he ends up yeah. tra- training uh, Han Solo's son. I've been hoping that Sebastian Stan shows up as Luke Skywalker, but I don't think it's going to happen. As his character? Yeah, like recast him. Yeah, I'll be curious. Leia, I mean, now that you say it, with the timeline, there's all those characters that Han Solo that could still be Chewbacca, all those. There's definitely a lot of ways they can go with it. I have my, like, what I hope happens and what I think actually will happen. (laughs) I totally, totally thought it was... I don't know why after the last three movies. So I'm like, man, didn't they destroy like the empire's pretty much gone. Like how, where are we going with this? But now this makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, hey. I really appreciate it. We need not be adversaries. The emperor will show you mercy. If you tell me where the remaining Jedi can be found. There are no Jedi. You and your Inquisitors have seen to that. Perhaps this child will confess what you will not. I was beginning to believe I knew who you were behind that mask. But it's impossible. My master could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. Then I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. Okay, that was Angela Drew interviewing Aaron Carr. Their conversation ended up going about 25 minutes, but I trimmed it down because at some points they repeated things that we had just discussed in our group discussion about Ahsoka. Other times they kind of went off on tangents about other characters like the Mandalorian and Grand Admiral Thrawn, and those are conversations I probably want to save for future shows. Um, But in the meantime, I do want to thank both Angie and Aaron for providing us with that kind of alternative perspective on Ahsoka's live-action debut. Now, let's get into the listener feedback from our last show. On episode 40, Chris, my brother Neil, and our guest Jason McCann talked about Boba Fett. These are the comments that were left at the website post, which as always you can find at fireandwaterpodcast.com. First comment from Chris Franklin, my partner on Batman Nightcast and the host or co-host of JLUcast, Superman Movie Minute, and Supermates, all available here on the Fire and Water Network. Chris said, My son Andrew has always taken to Boba Fett, more his look than anything, so he was very happy with his portrayal on The Mandalorian thus far. I would recommend watching the newest Mandalorian Gallery episode on Disney Plus covering Season 2. Tamora Morrison explains Boba's more savage fighting techniques coming from his own cultural dances. It's fascinating stuff, and he seems like quite a character. Yeah, I, I co-sign that. I have watched the uh, the making of Season 2, uh, and yeah, that little the little insights that Tamora Morrison gives into Boba Fett are, are very, very interesting. Uh, Chris continues... Oh, and as for the rocket-firing Boba Fett figure that started this whole mystique, the change to the welded-in rocket was the result of a small child choking to death on a Battlestar Galactica ship's missile shortly before the figures were shipped, but after the offer was advertised. Cool. I, I think 
yeah, I'd, I'd heard, I, I have heard like 19 different versions of why Boba Fett was changed up to and including it causing like wholesale slaughters and like people dying. So, uh, David Ace Gutierrez said, I met Jeremy Bullock at a convention once. Absolute gentleman. I expected him to say, you, sir, are no Jeremy Bullock, but whatever. Okay. Uh, Paul Hicks from DC OCD and The Gary Show said, I have found myself guilty of the Boba Fett as a punk mindset, but it is directly related to his demystification in Episode 2, which retroactively diminishes the character. Taking the Fett from Empire in isolation, he's a total boss. Then Paul adds, also, Django should have had a different ship. Boba is basically driving around in his dad's car. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I remember thinking that at the time. Like, It was cool that they brought Slave 1 back to kind of show it in action, but yeah, it is like, why is he still driving? The, why is he still piloting the same car like 50 years later? Uh, Brian Linton said, I first encountered Boba Fett in his TV debut on the Star Wars Holiday Special and still remember how happy I was when I got my Boba Fett action figure after Empire came out. My daughter and I are still making our way through Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Therefore, I can't really comment on his appearance there, but I do have some thoughts on his appearance in Attack of the Clones. I think a great way to have maintained, or even added to, his mystique would have been to have Jango Fett in the movie with no appearance or mention of Boba. Instead of the scene near the end of the film, where the younger Fett picks up his father's helmet, you just have a close-up of a mysterious hand reaching down and taking it. Fans would be free to speculate on Boba Fett's origins to their heart's content. That's definitely one option, um... Now I can't remember if they actually say that the armor that Boba Fett wears is his father's armor either, because it is different colors. It has a completely different scheme. Um, I mean, you're, I, I think your suggestion that just take a, take Boba Fett out of the movie except for like just a gloved hand at the end is better. I don't even think you need that. I mean, you, like, it could be just as mysterious to know that they dress the same, they have the same last name. Are they related? Are, is that is the Fett like a clan name or something like that? You could have left that open and never explained it. Uh, Tim Price from The Outcasters said, I apologize, my brain went down a weird path from all of the sentiments on wanting to see more of the gritty criminal elements of Star Wars. If I replace that with DC movies, that's like saying you do want more Joker movies or a Suicide Squad TV series. It's just an interesting parallel. Fans seem to be pulled or driven to the dark side of these universes. And are the studio execs really wrong to catering to that? I don't know what I'm even saying, just my bizarre brain. Um, yeah, I mean, there does seem to be some desire to want to see these dark things, and, and is the studio wrong to make a Joker movie that you can't take little kids to, or a Batman or Superman? Like, I, I the distinction that I would have between Star Wars and the DC things is, we have seen the all-ages-friendly, light-adventure serial Star Wars, so exploring the darker side, the criminal side... I don't think it needs to be R-rated at all, but if you'd like something like a little bit harsher that is exploring something that fans have not seen from this universe, whereas with the current DC model and the the DC Extended Universe, uh, quite the opposite. I think all we have seen is this darker, 
PG-13 borderline rated R universe where we see the bleakest, darkest, most depressing aspects of Superman and Batman and these characters. So to give them a Joker or a Suicide Squad, you're not you're not getting us anything you don't already have. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that that answers your question or what you were trying to get to, Tim, but that's what it is. Uh, and the last comment came from Mike Dines, who said, I really enjoyed this episode as Boba Fett is one of my favorite characters. I think I'm in the same space as everyone else on the show. I was instantly engrossed by the great character design and the mystery of Boba in The Empire Strikes Back, and I wasn't too happy with the way he died in Return of the Jedi. If I'm allowed to cross podcast streams, he's the Doctor Fate of the Star Wars universe, a great design that hooks you into the character, but nothing much else underneath, and I love them both. Am I the only one here that enjoyed Fett's inclusion in Attack of the Clones? To me, to hear his backstory made him incredibly special. He was the one different person in a population of millions. For a little nerdy kid-slash-man-child who never fit in, that left a lasting impression on me. Sure, he was made of the same genetic structure, but they said that he was an unaltered clone. To which I understood, as they didn't age him, they didn't make him more obedient. And they also didn't remove any bad characteristics from his dad-slash-donor. That made me think that Boba and Jango were real badasses in the universe. I agree with you, though, that to leave him out of Revenge of the Sith was weird. If you are going to create an interesting backstory for a character, keep using that character. But once again, I don't want to become a prequel apologist, and I know I won't change your minds on those movies, which is okay. Everyone finds their joy in something different. That uh, absolutely true. I, 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 I am surprised to hear of anybody who does like Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones, but if you do, that's awesome. I, I'm like that. You can find your joy there. Uh, and Mike continues to say, Once again, you guys did a great job on this episode, and it was fun to hear your opinions on where the character could go next. I'm with Ryan, I think it was Ryan that mentioned this, that I would like to see a Narshada-type story with Boba and keep the spaghetti western style to the Mandalorian. I can't wait to hear the next episode. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you very much for that, Mike. I hope you enjoyed this episode, too. Uh, thank you to everybody who left these comments. Uh, I always love hearing you guys and hopefully answered or provoked even more questions. Um, yeah, already that wraps up the listener feedback. If you have been following the Give Me Those Star Wars Facebook page or some of my other social media comments, you know that the age of the High Republic is on us. I have read the first novel, the first issue of the comic book, and the first couple of young reader books. My goal is to get a couple of other people who have read the novel Light of the Jedi together for a roundtable book review. I'm not sure when that'll happen, but right now it's looking to be the next episode. Of course, something could always come up and surprise me, so I guess you'll just have to wait and see when the next episode drops, probably in February or March. Until then, one more round of thanks to my guests on this episode, Angela Drew, Stella, Chris Zagunas, and Aaron Carr. Give Me Those Star Wars is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Facebook page for Give Me Those Star Wars. You can also find me on Twitter at RyanDaily01, or you can send an email to rdailypodcast at gmail.com. All music, audio clips, or quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. Give Me Those Star Wars is not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm, and I make no money from this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.